This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'm going to do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense going to turn up, but the defense going to win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome in to a very special edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. I'm your host, Corey Burton. We are on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Uh, today, today's episode is going to feature uh, Israel and I's appearance on a show called Around the SEC. It it is housed on the old positively or positively old missed. Uh, channel uh, the Palmcast. You can uh, old po- at old positively. You can join uh, Stephen Willis there. So we we joined forces today to do the around the SEC show. So it was a, it was a lot of fun for uh, for Israel and I. So I wanted you guys to uh, tune into that. But uh, this show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The wait is finally over. Uh, I guess you guys know that by now. We're heading into week four of SEC action. Football is back. But you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Lots of interesting spreads this week. The Georgia spread is already down to uh, plus four for the dogs. Uh, thinking about getting in some action. As far as that goes, a lot of low spreads this week. Um, and a lot of games actually postponed by uh, COVID as well. So uh, going to get back in the action here. Uh, a lot of NFL uh, spreads too that are that are coming out, and uh, so looking forward to uh, to that. So, from game spreads and totals to team and player and co- coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always an online casino as well that never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, I uh, want to, uh, without further ado, uh, here's our appearance on Around the SEC. Hope you enjoy, and uh, as always, go dogs.
Around the SEC right here, I'm your host, Stephen Willis, along with Corey Burton, Jeb Beecham, and a special guest this week, Israel Troop, is going to join us. Both Israel and Corey are from the Belief in Georgia Dog podcast. Surprise, we're going to talk a little bit Alabama and Georgia in a second, and they might have something to say about it. Before we get started, let's talk a little social advertising. You can follow us at the Stephen Willis or at Old Positively. Of course, you can like us on our Facebook page at Positively Old Miss. Join our Facebook group as well. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Positively Old Miss. And of course, you can follow us on Twitch at Positively Old Miss, all one word. Hey, Corey, um, why don't you advertise your podcast? Yeah, Israel and I, we uh, we do the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. And uh, you got 100% of the Believe in Georgia Dogs show now, used to uh, used to host uh, one half of that now. Uh, now my better half, I should say, uh, is, is joining us. And Israel, man, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. You can follow us at Believe in Dogs on all social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can follow myself at Coach Burton thirty six. If you want a little bit of uh, coaching stuff as well, uh, you can follow that Twitter account. I uh, I retweet a lot of a lot of coaching nuggets and things like that. And then of course Israel, where can we follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Troopstar two eight. Um, on Instagram, all of all of them are the same. Um, I have a hard time remembering passwords and usernames, so I keep them all the same. Um, and you can follow me as well. Uh, I'm a football coach. I uh, I tweet different nuggets, and um, I'm I'm a halftime comedian as well. So um, get on there and follow me, and um, and enjoy yourself. Steve and I might come see you at Zanies if you're uh, if you're down to perform your, your comedy routine. So. <laughs> hey, Polish I'm, all, I'm already ready for it. A little open mic night. Yeah, Paul. Oh up. yeah, believe it, baby. Hey, believe it. Hey, he can be the headliner. I'll open up for you. I'll get I'll get all the booze <laughs> out of the way so that you can only be funnier. Hey, I'm the next Kevin Hart in my mind, so I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll. You're just a few inches taller. All right, just a little bit. <laughs> you can um follow Jeb Beecham at Stolen Grin on Twitter as well. Didn't want to leave you out, Jeb. Um, kind of be inclusive today. I appreciate it. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, as you can see, we have a full house here tonight, and we have a lot to talk about. And unfortunately, a lot of what we have going on is COVID-related. Um, LSU and Florida have already postponed, as well as Vandy and Missouri. We're waiting to hear about Georgia and Alabama at this time. But as of now, um, Nick Saban is positive. The athletic director is positive. It could it could throw a monkey wrench on an otherwise tense game that who knows what was going to happen. It was set up as the immovable object versus the irresistible force, but now it's just thrown into chaos. Oh yeah, it's uh, you know COVID has done that for for quite a few things, especially the NFL. Uh, it has now uh, reached its way to the SEC and is now wreaking havoc. Uh, the Florida linebacker room. Uh, caught a big dose of it, Vandy, Missouri. They caught a big dose of it, and now we're starting to kind of see it, kind of starting to see everything unravel. So, uh, 
I'm willing to see if if too many of these games get canceled, if they don't just go ahead and and uh, and, and call it a call it a weekend and move all of these games to uh, the makeup weekend of December twelfth. I got a good feeling that's probably going to happen. You know, core with me and you, we've been dealing with it at the high school level, and COVID's mm-hmm. not going anywhere. So, um, I think. A lot of guys just gotta just gotta make do with with what you got. You know, um, it's an unfortunate situation, but it's not going anywhere. So, um, I think you just gotta do the best you can, and if you can make up that game or find that open week, like you said, everybody make up the game they miss. I think I think we'll be fine. Uh, if I can ask, December twelfth will that be the weekend before the SEC championship? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, would it be a good possibility of Georgia versus Alabama twice in a row? Could be. Yeah, possibly. That would be interesting. It very Get much could re- be, especially with Florida not being able to stop anybody right now. So we'll just see how that goes. Defense is optional in this league <laughs> as of right now. First yeah, time talk ever. About a, yeah, the league that prides itself so much on defense. Just Georgia is the only school that can stop anybody. Although Tennessee can play a little bit of defense as well. But it's, 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 it's Yeah. <laughs> Lane Kiffin just scored another touchdown on Nick Saban, and it's crazy. And and Mike Bobo just scored another one on Vandy. (laughs) And it's crazy. Yeah, that's not exactly hard to do. Um, (laughs) I think even even my team could score on Vandy at this point. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a long year for the old Commodores. Bless their hearts. Bless their hearts. So, question for you guys. Um, do they move on from Derek Mason? Is that almost a foregone conclusion at this point? They've got to make up that money first, you would think. It depends on how many years he has left on his contract, what his buyout is, because the last athletic director got him in a bit of financial trouble to begin with, and then COVID happened. I think Derek Mason might get another year just on the just because they can't do anything about it right now. I agree because it's 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 bad over there and that athletic department's in turmoil. I mean, they were letting people go um, right when COVID hit, so you can tell that they had something going on over there. But, I mean, Derek Mason's trying to do what he can do with the limited resources he has. So, I mean, you, he's, he's a great coach in my opinion. Um, I just think he's been dealt a bad hand right now over there at Vandy. Yeah, that's no doubt. I mean, he's got two good coordinators. Yeah, I agree with that too. It does. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just. It does seem like there's a uh, good excuses for him for this year because he had a lot of players opt out as well. So he's a lot of opt out, a lot of uh, COVID. It's it's hard to blame him for what's going on at Vandy right now. And if something happens and they do let him go, he'll be unemployed for about five minutes because he really is a national championship level defensive coordinator. So he's going to move on into a blue blood program and probably win immediately. Most definitely. And one thing I've noticed about his team is that even though they might not be athletically as good as everybody else, but they play hard now. I mean, they just don't have they just don't have the Jimmys and the Joes to go with all the all the other horses in the SEC. That is the truth, and and they they flat get after you, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, you know, I think just him playing coordinator shuffle has been, you know, him managing the head coaching position has been a bit of a train wreck. But I think he's, you know, obviously he didn't forget how to coach, and and he's a heck of a defensive coordinator. And I, you know, I would expect to see him land on his feet and uh, think, get somewhere. 
I think he might be at Ole Miss here in a minute if, if they let him go. So keep your eyes open for that one. I'm calling it right now. How, how much of how much of a how much of a upgrade would that be from DJ Durkin? Honestly, honestly, at this point, we don't know because they missed half of fall camp uh, in the, because of COVID in the wide receiver room or in the defensive back room, and then they're going from the three four to the four three kind of sideline to sideline, and they just don't have the linebackers for it. It's honestly a situation that where they're just going to have to recruit their way out of this, no matter who's in charge. And you know, Steve, I, I really, you know, this this just comes down to the fact that I, I just don't believe in DJ Durkin. Uh, I don't believe in his schemes. I don't think he is very. I don't think he's very sound. I, I, I mean, I think there was a reason why he was uh, an analyst on uh, Saban's uh, radar. A lot of it was, you know, personal rehabilitation of him just doing weird. Uh, showing weird videos and almost psychologically torturing the players at uh, at Maryland, but I, you know if you have a chance to get somebody like a Will Muschamp or a or a Derek Mason, you you say, all right, DJ, it's been real, get the hell out of here, so we can uh, so we can get some, you know, so we can get a top notch coordinator. That would, I mean, Ole Miss would turn into an instant contender overnight if that happened. Yeah, I hear you. Just don't squirt water on me when I come over the sideline. Oh man, don't don't get me don't get me started on that boy. Got to muddy. So you talking about somebody was mad when I saw that? I didn't. I didn't even like. I didn't see it. I was like, what in the hell? Did it? I was like, we got a personal fight. How? It's like we hit him when he was still in bounds, and I try to figure it out, and they show the replay. I was like, oh, yep, you can't do that. Come on, come on, George. Jeez. Come on, baby. Yeah, it's a situation. Yeah, he's so talented. But the immaturity just rears its head at just in our inopportune times at this moment. Yeah, and they, Tennessee goes right down the field in that same drive and throws that pass over there in the corner. I'm like, if they don't get that, I don't think they get a first down at all in that series. And then they don't go down and score. So, you know, we spotted them seven points with a snap over the head. And then we go and do something stupid like that. It's just like, what are we doing, guys? I mean, we gave them – all 21 points. I mean, we we go for that fourth down and don't get it. And then they hit a pass the very next play. We get that stupid penalty and then that, you know, god-awful snap that even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar couldn't, couldn't handle. <laughs> I so, agree. Out of, outside of two or three really good passes by Jerry Garantano, Tennessee had no – Georgia's defense was great that entire game. It was just penalty, shooting yourself in the foot, which mm-hmm. Tennessee was doing the same thing. The difference is in the second half, Georgia stopped doing that, fixed their mistakes. Tennessee did not at all. Well, Israel, you and I know, uh, and Tennessee fans are learning this about Jim Chaney, is great game planner. You know, he's great from, you know, Sunday to, to Friday putting in the game plan. And, you know, usually first quarter, second quarter, uh, things are going well. But then halftime hits and Jim Chaney just falls off a cliff and teams adjust and he doesn't. And, that's where you kind of start to see the decline. I mean, every big game that Georgia lost, you could point to a steady decline in the second half when teams started ratcheting up the pressure. Tennessee fans are starting to learn that. Georgia fans knew that coming in. Man, every time we every time we get something going, we're like in the first half, like okay, it's about to get it's about to get ugly for the other team, and then it keeps mulling along and mulling along, and then all of a sudden we're we're losing. It's like gum. and then now you see Tennessee do the same thing now. On the other hand, now, Georgia did a great job adjusting at halftime. Um, 
And then, like I said, without those penalties, I mean, Tennessee really doesn't piss a drop in the first half, you know. So, um, I think the game plan for him was pretty simple. It's take what you can get. And, Georgia, as we all know, Georgia's not giving very much. No, not at all. Not at all. And you look at Kirby's defense, it just takes time. They're like a boa constrictor. And the more you struggle at the end, the worse it gets. And Jared Garantano just started forcing it and kind of trying to do more than he could do. And that led to more trouble and more trouble and more trouble. And next thing you know, you're down by three touchdowns. Yeah, in the blink of an eye. I mean, you give up horrible field position to start the second half where you take a strip sack uh, and fumble. And, uh, you know, that just got the ball rolling. One thing I love about our defense is that we do we are very opportunistic now. We are a very opportunistic defense, and I love every minute of it. Yes, indeed. Um, all right, around the SEC, segment one in the books. Stick around. Around the SEC, Stephen Willis, along with Corey Burton and Jeff Beecham, along with Israel Troop, who is visiting us for the week. This one, this we're going to do something a little bit different. This segment, this this block, because Alabama and Georgia is the undoubted game of the week. Now we have some COVID issues and a lot of unknowns, but we're going to proceed like it's going to happen as usual. But I figure this this little block. We'll just um, do Georgia and Bama and really nothing else and kind of just break down all aspects of that game. I'm with that. Let's get it going. That's good. So looking at this game, a lot of factors going in, Israel, uh, Steve, Jeb. I mean, you know, there's there's so many layers to this matchup. It You know, it's obviously it's this year's uh, Alabama-LSU kind of enormous, huge – a lot of implications matchup uh, going on. Coach Saban has uh, testing positive for Corona. That has to change some things. I have to. I have to assume that there's going to be some grad assistant on the sideline holding a giant iPad with uh, Nick Saban's face on it, uh, and him coaching from home. Uh, you got to. You got to think that that's going to happen. But um, in all seriousness, uh, you know, there's some weapons starting to emerge from Georgia uh, on the on the Georgia side. We know what Alabama has offensively. But I'm going to ask you guys this, and Steve, since you saw this defense really firsthand more in depth than I probably did, I enjoyed it as a fan. You probably enjoyed it um, as more than a fan uh, from the Ole Miss perspective and you know, didn't enjoy the result but enjoyed the journey of it. So what is, what is Alabama's defense? You know, can they recover from giving up you know, almost a, a half a century to Ole Miss? I think um, Alabama really struggled with um, – rapid fire tempo in that game and everything and this goes back to when Kirby was Alabama and it's kind of a Nick Saban thing they want to always match up with what you're doing offensively when there's not enough time to do that it really discombobulates what they're doing it kind of puts them into pressure Mm -hmm. so I think the defense this week is going to be much much better um, because of the way that they do things with Todd Monken and such, more pro style and methodical. Yeah, I mean Israel. Uh, you know what? What it? 
you know, judging from what we've seen and what we've seen from uh, Saban's teams of the past where they struggle with tempo, you have to think Todd Monken is thinking about uh, going tempo a little bit and trying to get guys in space and trying to get guys lined up fast and, and try to prevent a lot of these substitutions. I think so. After watching uh, watching us play at Tennessee, you kind of saw it a little bit. They go a little bit of tempo, and Tennessee couldn't quite figure it out because they haven't seen it before. And um, after watching the Alabama and Ole Miss game, and I watched a replay of it too, I mean, Ole Miss was snapping the ball now. It was boom, get the play, snap the ball. Um, and, and to that point, it was amazing to me to, to see that the players and and a couple of coaches were saying that they were still in signals. And I was like, there's no way because Alabama was, I mean, Ole Miss snapping the ball before Alabama was even set on a bunch of those plays. So, I mean, temp- tempo beats people, but tempo can also get you beat if you're not smart. So, um, I think if Munkin comes in with a, with a game plan, all right, we're going to use tempo, all right, we're going to slow it down. And mixing it up a little bit and taking shots, I think we'll be fine this weekend. So is this the week that Stetson Bennett is – I mean, we keep saying this every week and he keeps, you know, proving us right, but is this the weekend he truly breaks out and every, and, and everybody's like, wow, I think Stetson if, Bennett. I think if Stetson Bennett wins this game, I think they're going to put a statue right next to Coach Dooley at the Buttsmere if he wins this football game because he has overcome so much and he has stayed even killed the whole entire time and hasn't given up. And he's getting his chance to shine, and he is going out and performing. So, Jeb, in watching that game last week, um, you know, my opinion right now is uh, my favorite back on this team is Kenny McIntosh, uh, followed by uh, followed by Kendall Milton. Um, I, I think Zamir right now is third uh, third best running back on on Georgia's in Georgia's backfield. What you know, what stood out to you it, watching that Tennessee game with the Georgia backfield, and how do you think it's gonna? You know, how do you think it's gonna shake out with with them? I agree. I I went into the game assuming Zamir would be the guy that we saw the most of, and then that played the best. But honestly, he didn't. You're right. He didn't look the best. And, it, and sometimes that's just because if you're uh, if your top back comes in, teams are ready for you to run more. Than, uh, than some of the uh, – I think one was, you know, a freshman, so maybe they just weren't ready for it. But but honestly, uh, who was the freshman that that played a bit there in the game for Georgia? Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton, yeah. And he looked really good. But I was very impressed by him. Of course, y'all's offensive line was was getting the better of our Tennessee's defensive line for a lot of the games, so that helped a lot. But but honestly, he looked a lot better than Zamir to me. Uh, who is number seven? And, That's Jermaine Burton. He's a freshman. Receiver, okay. Receiver, yeah, yeah. He's uh, uh, he's somebody that's emerging. Yeah, he's legit. So Israel, I'll be interested to see how Alabama's defense rebounds in this game. Honestly, because I think, and I may be giving him too much credit, but I think Lane Kiffin just knew how to keep Alabama off on uh, on their toes and just really kind of keep off balance. That's what I'm trying to say the whole game. And I don't know if. Uh, if Georgia can do that with their offense as well as, as Ole Miss did. So I, th- I think it's going to be kind of a fun matchup to see how, how good Georgia really is because I think Georgia's defense against Alabama's offense is going to be the, an amazing matchup anyway. So it would be great to see if Georgia's offense can match up with Alabama's defense. So I can't, can't wait for this. Yeah, it's the, it's the irresistible force versus the immovable object whenever Alabama's on offense. And then it's average – Whenever um, George is on offense, average versus average, this goal is fascinating. Yeah, can Dylan Moses? Uh, can he? 
carry the carry the defense, get everybody lined up correctly, and and can he help these a lot of this inexperience kind of get by? Really, what do you think, Israel? Is there anybody that's standing out to you on this Crimson Tide defense besides uh, Dylan Moses and and anybody that you feel could be you know a problem for this Georgia offense? Uh, this is the first time, and don't quote me on this because I'm not real sure, but this is the first time that I haven't heard a player from Alabama just being a dominant force, just, you know, him, you know, just being one guy that just takes over the game and then a bunch of supporting cast members. And and right now they they, they look a little lost to me, just from what, just from, from outside guy looking in, they just look a little lost. Like there's no, there's no way in the world I would have thought that Ole Miss would put almost 50. On a, on an Alabama defense, you know, even with Lane Kiffin there, I thought that maybe they would come out and you know shut it down for a little bit, but they didn't. And you know, Lane, Lane had a great game plan for him, and they never really adjusted until the latter part of that fourth quarter. Um, and got a couple stops there to win the football game, but nobody on this is the first time out in since what 2008 Alabama's has no one on defense that really scares me or really makes me go like, oh man, we should not go at that guy. You know, I think if we we put our head down and we go to work, I mean, I think it's going to be a great game. I think Georgia comes on top on the end. Yeah, I think it's going to be tight all the way. Yeah, I'm looking um, forward to see if Stetson Bennett in the quarterback run game becomes a factor in this because whenever Alabama struggles, they kind of go into that warm shell of two-man in the back. And you can't, you know, you can't play – um, two man against the running quarterback, Mm-mm, not at all. And uh, you know, it'd be you know, you started to see the zone read a little bit. I mean, Stetson even scored on his own read, and uh, where he just pulled it. And so many times last year, we saw Jake Fromm just give it into a loaded box. And if he had kept it, he could he could have probably moonwalked into the end zone and did a few cartwheels. But um, you know, somebody like Stetson's going to pull it and, and and really make you pay for it. And so, I'm excited to see that. And I'm excited to kind of see if Kyrus Jackson can keep it rolling. If George Pickens can finally really make a true impact, uh, something that he hasn't, something that he hasn't really done uh, on a consistent basis this year. Uh, see if the freshman Jermaine Burton, who you referenced as number seven, uh, see if he can continue to make make strides in his development. See what the tight ends can do. It, Israel, what you know, the tight end position is is going to be vital to this uh, to this game plan and I think you know getting Trey McKitty back in the lineup is huge getting Fitzpatrick in there is, is more of a run blocker uh, he can assume his role uh, that he was recruited for more so with uh, with McKitty and uh, Darnell Washington uh, being the role of you know kind of more of the universal guys or more of the pass catchers and I, I'm I'm excited to see these tight ends get rolling um, you know they right now they're just run blockers right now but I'm excited to see what they do with the ball in their hands um, I know we, we've got some great guys over there, but I hadn't really seen them emerge as a threat, you know, as as a guy that can go out there and, you know, make plays for you at the tight end position. So I'm excited to see um, if, if we get them going instead of just putting them in line and making them block. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Steve, I'm going to flip over to the defense. So when, when you, when you uh, come up and analyze George's defense, what – what player really stands out to you uh, and, and jumps out of the page from from an outsider's perspective? Well, it's not really a single player. It's the 
the way that Kirby Smart and the defensive coordinator has them drilled, and they just become like a boa constrictor, and they just take you away, and they they put a little more, more pressure and a little bit more pressure and a little bit more pressure on you until eventually you just give in, and next thing, like I said, like last week, you're down by three touchdowns. You don't know what happened, and your offense isn't working anymore. That's, I mean, that's that's pretty fair. I mean, I... You know, I think the fact that he has stellar dudes like mm. day two, day three NFL guys at all three levels. I mean, you have Aziz Ojolari, uh Jordan Davis on on the defensive line. Uh, one is a pass rusher, the other is a as a nose guard in, in the run game. And then you have Monty Rice, N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker at the you know at the inside linebacker level. Uh, some of those, a couple of those guys are younger; they're not yet draft eligible. But when they are, they're going to be. I think they're going to be studs. And then you have on the back end, probably one of the best safeties in the game, and he's emerging. Is that people don't a lot of people don't really know uh, know his name just yet because I've always said he is uh, he is solidly spectacular. Like he he doesn't make he doesn't make any flashy plays because he's already there. He just gets there with a quickness and 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 he hits you and he's he's got you on the ground. And you know Israel, I. I is that would you say that's a pretty fair accurate uh, description of Richard LeCount's game? It's just spectacularly uh, unspectacularly great. Yes, he just always in the right place at the right time. I remember seeing him. Uh, we had a a paddock camp when he was at Liberty. And he was in high school, and I mean he was all over the field. You know, one well, one time he was at linebacker, he'd be at free safety. One time he was even at defensive end. So you have to account for him. Um, anywhere he is on the field, and he's the quarterback of that defense. You know, he gets them lined up, he gets them going, and, you know, if somebody's out of place, you know, he's able to go because he knows the defense. He's able to go and uh, make a play on the football, and that's what Kirby wanted from him as a freshman because he was highly recruited as a freshman, and he kind of had, you know, not really a bad year, but it wasn't what Kirby wanted expectation-wise. But, you know, he's emerged as one of one of the best safeties um, in the SEC right now, and um, – you couldn't ask for him to do any more. Um, just hope he stays healthy. And, you know, he's got a great head on his shoulders, too, as you can tell. Um, he's a leader at defense, and they follow him. Whatever he says, they, they do it. And you can see that those guys have been playing together for a long time. And um, they remind me of, of the old Alabama defense. They just, they're just they just together, and they, and they know what to do. And that's, the, that's a testament to that defensive staff doing such a great job with them. Steve, who's who uh... – you know, Eric Stoke is probably going to be shadowing uh, Jalen Waddle. Um, I, I have a feeling that you know the matchup to be the matchup to watch is going to see who can uh, come out there and, and guard uh, Devontae Smith. If you know it, they're going to be match, they're going to be mixing up zone and man anyway. But when they go man coverage, you know, you got to think probably DJ Daniel is not going to draw coverage on uh, Devontae Smith just because of prior. Uh, burnt, uh, burntness due to uh, him getting burnt by Joshua Palmer last week. So I have Man, to think I Tyson Campbell's probably. I know. I think Tyson <laughs> Campbell's going to be on him, truthfully. But uh, yeah, it's uh, Toast uh, DJ Toast Daniel. There you go. How about that for a nickname? But um, I think at this point, with Alabama's wide receivers, the only way to stop them is to get pressure on Mac Jones because. Jalen Waddle is in a class by himself and is practically uncoverable from the slot. And Devontae Smith and uh, John Mechie just 
provide just enough talent to make it to where you can't really bracket anybody. And then they have Miller Forrestal at tight end that just sneaks out and catches a touchdown. But that's their wide receivers are probably some of the best in football. Mm-hmm. So the only way you can stop them is to get pressure. Well, we've seen Georgia do that in the, this last game. So mm-hmm. we know they can get after the quarterback. And yeah, it'll be up to uh, Alabama's offensive line to see if they can stop that. Tennessee's yep. could not, and Tennessee has a great offensive line. So there we go. Around the SEC, Georgia and Alabama this um, Saturday night, I believe it's eight o'clock Eastern game on CBS. I think the Masters is this weekend or something. To where the COVID pushed it back to where the CBS game is the night game. Um, we're going to come back and do a little rapid-fire SEC on Around the SEC. Welcome back to Around the SEC. Thanks for listening. Um, we're going to hit our conference preview. Remember, we're going to pr- proceed as if these games are going to happen. If something happens – in the next couple of days, don't blame us, basically. Um, Auburn and South Carolina, it's a battle of Mike Bobo and Auburn's defense and Chad Morris versus Will Muschamp. It's kind of a discombobulated mess at Auburn, and South Carolina is just an okay team. I really am liking what South Carolina is doing. And uh, Auburn's just a mess. It, it may not come down to what they're doing at all, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, Israel, you played for Mike Bobo, so um, you know you can kind of see the direction that, that offense is going. And uh, they're starting to kind of – they're going to be like the no-name offense that performs better than you expect. And they're, they're a team that's slowly getting better. And Auburn is a team that is slowly gearing towards Gus Malzahn uh, joining Derek Mason in the uh, in the I'm looking for a job category. I think I think so. Right now, it looks like Auburn's about to be well. It would be seventy five if it wasn't for COVID. But um, after watching them against Arkansas and um, they they just they don't look like Auburn. You know they they hadn't looked like Auburn in a while. But it's something over. The, I don't know if it's something in the water or what. But Auburn's struggling right now, and I I picked them to you know. Put up a fight in the uh, in SEC West, but right now they're struggling a little bit. So, um, like you said, Coach Bobo's got those guys on offense over there rolling. Um, I think they're starting to figure it out a little bit on defense. Um, even though it was Vandy, but you can start to tell that those guys knew what to do. Um, so, COVID's kind of got a got a hold on that as well. So, I think if they come in and kind of do the same thing they did against um, who they, they played Vandy last game, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think if they they come in, you know, with that same energy and everything like that, I think I think South Carolina is going to pull the upset over Auburn this weekend. I wouldn't be too surprised. Auburn definitely looks worse than I expected coming into the season, and South Carolina is looking better and better every week, like you said. So I think South Carolina is good at controlling the clock, and Auburn's gotten kind of lucky in, in some of their games. So. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see South Carolina take over this I game. I hope that referee crew sent the. Uh, a fruit basket over there to Arkansas for what they did this weekend. Everybody saw that that was a fumble, and they mm-hmm. owe them an apology immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Our, Arkansas yep. should be two and one in the SEC right now. 
they absolutely should. And they outplayed Auburn and they deserved it and they and they got robbed. So, you know, Auburn's going to get their due karma here this week. I think South Carolina, again, is a team that's on the rise. Auburn is heading in the opposite direction. I, I don't know what's going on. You know, Israel, you hit the nail on the head. They're just discombobulated. I think Malzahn's just grasping at straws at this point. And, uh, you know, this, this defense is playing uncharacteristically uh, – poorly under Kevin Steele and I think you know Bo Nix cannot be 100% of your offense and and he can't get the ball to Stove and Seth Williams and and Anthony Schwartz and uh, Tank Bixby is not quite your premier running back that he thought that uh, he was going to be and now he's being relied on to be that guy and he's not that guy yet and and so things are kind of falling apart down there and uh, we'll see what happens so I, I you know as of right now it's just a three-point spread, and uh, I, I like South Carolina. Yeah, 12 months ago, if somebody told you Auburn was going to play LSU in 2020 and be the two worst teams in the SEC West, would you believe them? No way. Ain't no way. Not, not a chance. <laughs> All right, Texas A&M and Mississippi State this weekend. Um Basically, we've discovered the kryptonite for the air raid, and that is rushing three and dropping eight on every single play. No variation, no need for game planning. Just do that on every single play. And bad news for Mississippi State, Texas A&M is a zone team. They are indeed, and they found something uh, this weekend uh, when they beat Florida. I don't know if they can sustain it. I don't know if they're good enough to sustain it. But they found something, and I, I think that this weekend against Mississippi State, I think they're good enough, uh, even on their even on some of their uh, more more bad days that uh, that they can they can overtake Mississippi State. But you know, for the Pirate, I, I think you know I don't want to be quick to judge um, because he doesn't have all of his guys in yet. He's got a few uh, resistors in his squad as well. He probably needs to do a little house cleaning, uh, if you know what I mean. But you know, I think. You know, this matchup just is going to come down to can Kellen Mond deliver the mail and deliver it consistently. When he does, A&M's offense is pretty good. When he doesn't, it's, well, it's worse than bad. And uh, I really, uh, in watching their game, I really like the development of Isaiah Spiller. I think he's turning into a pretty good running back, and I think he'll continue to improve week in and week out. And if they can somehow mix up their offense and, and truly find that balance, I think they could develop into a pretty good team. They just have to decide that, A, we're not going to uh, shoot ourselves in the foot. B, we're going to learn how to manage manage the clock at the end of the half. And C, Kelamon's just got to play. He's got to play consistently, and he's got to play like what everybody thought he was going to be coming into the season. So um, I think a and going to win this one handily, but down the road, they've got to improve those things. Uh, most definitely. Um, after watching them against Florida, um, if Mississippi State thinks that they're going to drop back and just blitz and play off man against them, he's going to throw a slant every single time. So um, I wouldn't do that if I was Mississippi State. But Kelly Bond showed me a little bit last week. Um, he's always been tough, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, he showed me a little moxie last week, you know, delivering pass. Got a little trash talking in there, too, last week. So I think uh, A&M win this one handily. Um, cause like you said, if you drop, you drop eight, drop eight's really hard if you don't have any zone beaters within that air raid offense. All right. Go ahead, Jeff. 
No, I was going to say, I, I really like Mike Leach as a coach. I think I think he's going to have better games than he's had the last couple. Uh, maybe not on that LSU level, game level uh, too often in the SEC, but I think he'll get better. I don't think it'll happen this week, though. I agree. I think A&M finally, finally got it together this last week, and if they can keep playing even on that level, even without improving, they'll still be able to beat Mississippi State this week. All right, Ole Miss versus Arkansas. Two mirror images, Jeff Webby and Kendall Bryles, brother-in-law. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, Arkansas doesn't have the players offensively that Ole Miss has. They do have the better defense of the two teams. It should be interesting to watch. I anticipate a very high-scoring game. Yeah, I'm not. I'm taking the over/under, and, and the fact that it's a, a two and a half point spread. It, Vegas is basically saying, throwing their hands up, saying, "I don't know what's going on here. I don't know who to pick. Just pick whoever you want." Um, it's basically a pick 'em, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a really fun matchup. I think Scott uh, Sam Pittman is somebody that can motivate anybody to do anything. Uh, Old Miss is about as exciting as it gets offensively. Steve, I keep pointing back to. Uh, our series back in the spring, uh, the boot, uh, offense, the boot camp. And uh, if you go back and listen to that and then you go back and watch Ole Miss so far, I think we're pretty spot on as far as what we what we feel like they were going to do and the concepts they were going to try to try to instill. And, and, and we're starting to see all of that stuff developing as we go week in and week out. So Ole Miss can score the points. Uh, they've got to find a way to get a few stops so that they can actually uh, come out ahead in some of these matchups. Watching Arkansas in the rain last week was impressive to me. They looked like they knew what they were doing. Um, and I'm telling you, Felipe Franks looked good last week. So mm-hmm. I think it's just it think it just comes down to, you know, this one too, who's who's gonna make a stop? You know, and I and I put that on Arkansas because as I said earlier, um, in all our shows before, Corey, um, Coach Odom is a dang good defensive coordinator and those guys yes, are playing some really good football. And they are physical, physical. and they yep. get to the football. Um, so if they could, if they can get pressure on the quarterback this week, I think it's I think it's in Arkansas's favor. If not, then it's going to be a long night for Arkansas. They got to contain uh, Matt Corral and and uh, and John Reese Plumley, and uh, you know those two guys would if they if they could break contain and, and slip the pocket, and make some make some plays with their feet. It's also going to be a long night for Arkansas, so you got to keep those guys pinned up in the pocket and force them to, you know, to throw under duress and, and take a few shots and things like that. But I mean, there's there's two good good uh, good playmakers there at the quarterback position, so um, you know they're going to have their hands full. Arkansas is, but so is Ole Miss, and Ole Miss, you know, Felipe Franks, as you said it, uh, he's he's gotten better each week, and he he's improved each week. His decision making is better than it has been. Um, and he is he's starting to develop a little confidence and, and you get a little confidence and your decision making improves, you can be a dangerous quarterback in this league. And and so uh, you know, I'm I'm happy for for Felipe. I'm glad he found a good situation. Kendall Browse is a you know, great offensive mind. He's uh he's under that uh tempo and uh you know, quick passing and you know, try to control the line of scrimmage by spreading them out and, and keeping them guessing and running side to side. And if a defense is worn out, they can't rush. And so uh, that's kind of the that's kind of the overbearing philosophy with, with both of these coordinators, actually. So it'll be a fun, really, like, looking in the mirror at each other type game. Yes. 
Uh, Kentucky going to Knoxville to take on Tennessee. I'm looking forward to this one because this is going to be maybe like an SEC 1997 game where they just go in there and knock the hell out of each other. Is uh, Peyton Manning versus Tim Couch, is that the the matchup? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Kentucky wishes. Am I a little late on this? Mm -hmm. Um, That could very well be. That Tennessee is – I don't know. You get a lot of fans, and I'm coming at this from the fan perspective, but, you know, we, we've been saying for years that, you know, Tennessee's rebuilding and they're going to be back. I don't think anybody seriously thought Tennessee was going to be back to competing for the SEC this year. But I do think that Jeremy Pruitt's a good coach and got us on the way. And I really – I think they're better than they played last week. Georgia just has one of the best defenses I've seen in a long time. Uh, Kentucky's defense is very good too. But I think Tennessee will have more success against it. And I expect a better game from them this week uh, where they're much more competitive. And I just – I think they'll be able – with Kentucky being a little more one-dimensional on offense and Tennessee's defense really not being that bad this year, I, I like a lot of the, the playmakers we have there. I think Tennessee hey, will be able to win this. Kentucky can't stop the forward pass, so you got you got that one in your favor. Yes. That that is indeed. We Israel, you and I say that every week when we pick Kentucky, and sometimes and and I've been foolishly picking Kentucky. I I foolishly picked them against Ole Miss. Shouldn't have done that. Um, but uh, let me ask you guys this about Tennessee. You know, with with their quarterback situation, because they're in like a they're in like a weird spot where, you know, Gar- Guarantano has been just good enough. But if they're in a position where they're young at a lot of positions or they're developing some depth. Do you go ahead and go with the freshman and you know start kind of sticking them in there to see what what you have and see if there's sort of any sort of spark in the pass game or do you stick with Guarantano? You know what what do we do with this quarterback situation in Tennessee? Um, not not until it's the season is basically lost. You wouldn't do that with one loss. You would probably do that if there was three. If they lost Kentucky, you would think about it. If you lost one more, then it would become an option. And I don't think Jeremy Pruitt is the top that's going to move to, to a, a true freshman. He seems to be really committed to to Jared Garantano for whichever reason. Or even but, just any of the other guys on the roster. I know he played a little bit of uh, quarterback carousel last year, last season. And I'm kind of surprised he didn't try it a little more this year. Last season, Jared did a lot better if you just benched him for a couple butt drives. He would come in and play much better the rest of the game. Sometimes some people just need a kick, I guess, in, in games. I don't know why. But I kept expecting to see that in this last game. Especially after the like what, three turnovers in a row that starts the third quarter, I, mm-hmm. I kind of assumed that, uh, or at least near turnovers for them. I keep I kept expecting them to bench him at least for a drive, but they they didn't he, try that this year like they did last year. He turned into old Jared in the second half last week. Oh yeah, it was it was rough, but I mean I, I'm crediting a lot of that to Georgia's defense. Like I said, I think I think Georgia was making a lot of mistakes that kept them from being that good in the first half. They just corrected them, and uh, it wasn't that the. Tennessee started playing worse. I think Georgia started playing better. But I don't think that they, like I said, they would turn to a a true freshman. I do want to point out, for Harrison Bailey anyway, for the other two maybe, but I do want to point out that I think reports came out this week where they were just talking about practices and were mentioning that Harrison Bailey had really come on and was having great practices this week and looking really good. So it got a lot of the rumor mill started about that, but I, I really don't think they'll do it. As a head coach, you know, when, when you're going into, especially in the SEC, starting a freshman quarterback's tough, um, even even with the struggles that you may have. So, I think if they really want to put Harrison Bailey in the game, I think he has to show them at practice that he's ready. 
And judging by even last week not putting him in, just said I don't think I don't think they think he's ready yet. So um, I'd be it'd be hard pressed to see him in the game. But I'm not I'm not naive to know that they'll pull the switch and he'll be in, and you never know what might happen. He may create that spark. Well, I wouldn't be too surprised if they started that quarterback carousel you mentioned from last year, maybe with JT or or Brian Marr. But now that George is out of the way and, and Marr doesn't have to, to look at Eric Stokes, he, he might actually play well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I'm going to keep rubbing that in just so you know. <laughs> All right, one more segment to go. Picks right for this. Welcome back to Around the SEC. It's picks time just to fill everybody in. Um, I am currently 13-8 and eight overall against the spread. Becky is also 13-8. and eight. Jeb is 10-11. and 11, And Corey is bringing up the rear at 9-12. and 12. I told you guys, fade my picks and you'll make a lot of money. <laughs> um, actually, it's kind of impressive seeing Becky do all this because she – really just learned about the spread this year. So it kind of shows you how much either she's a savant or um, just extremely lucky so far this season. All right, game one, Auburn minus three versus South Carolina. I'm taking Will Muschamp's boy, South Carolina, to cover the spread. Well, I, I guess that leaves it to I me. I decided to go with Auburn this week. Auburn. Auburn. All right, the 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 dumpster fire. No, um, I probably <laughs> typed in three different times: Auburn, South Carolina, Auburn, South Carolina, Auburn, South Carolina. I probably typed both of those things in about three or four times. But you know, in in thinking about it and watching them last week against uh, Vanderbilt and knowing uh, what I know about a Coach Bobo offense, I'm going to take the Gamecocks, and I think it's going to I think it's going to start to turn ugly for Auburn. I'm taking the Gamecocks in this one. I think, like you said, I think if Coach Bubba can, if that train can get rolling this weekend, that defense picks up where they left off last week. After watching Auburn, ugh, I don't know. And, ever, and especially after watching them against us, I don't know what's going on over there. So I'm taking the Gamecocks in this one. All right. That's, good, that's a great choice. All right, Jeb, what was your pick? Well, I decided to go with Auburn, and I was the same way uh, as Corey. I went back and forth on this a few times, but I know South Carolina is playing better than I expected. It seems to be getting better game by game, and Auburn is honestly playing a lot worse than I expected. But I just feel like Auburn is too good of a team to keep playing like they've been playing, and I, and they're going to get it together at some point, and, and why not this week? We'll see. All right, Kentucky is getting six points against Tennessee in Knoxville. We're going to go with Rocky Top. Two mirror image teams. Tennessee is a little bit further along. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm I'm going with Tennessee as well. Um, I've been picking against my team, but I feel like this week they're going to come back out and um, and want to make a statement after that uh, that loss to Georgia. Yeah, I think again, Steve, you're correct about the teams being two mirror image of each other. But I think Tennessee's better in the passing game. Then Kentucky, Kentucky has trouble stopping the pass, and I think Tennessee's a little bit more balanced. And I really, really, really impressed with Joshua Palmer. 
um, at the wide receiver position, and I think Tennessee is going to I think they're going to win by ten. I think I'm going with Tennessee as well. Um, I think they got a bad taste in their mouth last week. Um, Kentucky's pretty much one dimensional, um, so I think Tennessee and Rocky Top fans are going to have something to cheer for this weekend. All right, Ole Miss giving up two and a half points versus Arkansas in Fayetteville. Fayetteville, though, to people that might not know, has been a house of horrors for Ole Miss. They go up there, they think they're going to win, something happens, they end up getting blown out at times. So there's a little bit of trepidation on that one, but I'm going to take Ole Miss in this one because I just think their offense is that much better than Arkansas's. Yeah, I agree. I, I honestly – I like Arkansas. What they've done this year has actually been quite impressive to watch them because I thought they were going to be just terrible. But uh, they are not at all. They're they're much better than I thought. But Ole Miss's offense is just impressive. It's just overall impressive. I, I'm, I, again, as a Tennessee fan, it's hard to say nice things about Lane Kiffin, but he is a he has matured into a really good coach, and I think they're gonna they're gonna be able to take down Arkansas pretty easily. Yeah, I think as as great as Arkansas has been playing, uh, as physical as they are. And, and as much improved as they are on offense with the two tray lines. Um, I still think uh, I would describe Ole Miss's offense as overwhelming and, and a team that can really pour it on, uh, you know, if you let them. If you give them a, a slight opening, they'll kick the door open, and next thing you know, you can blink, and, and they've scored 14 points. And that's just kind of how Ole Miss rolls. I think they have a lot of veteran experience on the offensive side of the ball, and that's going to help them in this matchup um, as they try to figure this defensive thing out. So I'm taking the reps. I'm going to take Arkansas in this one, and let me tell you why. The defense goes against Kendall Browse every day. And Kendall Browse is an up-tempo guy. So I think I don't think the tempo is going to get him. It's going to be who is going to do their job on defense. And I think um, Arkansas has a bad taste in their mouth from last week, and they're going to come out fired up. Um, if Ole Miss comes out fired up, and I think it's going to be a great matchup. But uh, that I think last week was a letdown for them. Um, so I'm going to take a physical Arkansas team that has balled into what Coach Pittman is doing over there. Okay, Texas uh, – um, have you picked up? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, Texas A&M is get, giving away six and a half points to Mississippi State. Um, I'm going to go against the previous picks and take Texas A&M because Mike Leach has struggled the last two weeks going against three-man fronts. Texas A&M is his own team. This is going to be the best version that he will see so far this season. Yeah, uh, I actually I went with A and M as well. Mississippi State, like I said, I, I think Mike Leach is a good coach and will eventually have some good games again this season. But A and M has just finally started playing like the the team we thought they might be, and I, I think they're going to be able to beat Mississippi State and cover that spread. So I'm going with A and M. Yeah, I think this week, despite all of Jimbo Fisher's uh, attempts to uh, screw these games up with his poor clock management and uh, inexplicably use or uh, non-use of timeouts. Uh, I think he's going to survive all of that. Kellen Mond is playing really good right now, playing really well right now, and I think this offense is kind of humming along. Finally, it took about three games to get off the mat and, and get going, but they finally did. Let's see if they can sustain it. I think they do this week. Uh, next week is, is another mystery, but uh, for, t- for a team like A&M, you just got to look at them week to week. 
uh, and this week is a great matchup for them. And so I'm going to take the Ags. I'm taking the Aggies this weekend. Uh, like you said, Kellen Mond's playing well. Uh, that defense looked really good. Um, although they give, did give up, you know, quite a bit of points to Florida, but they held their own um, a couple times. And, I mean, Mississippi State's just struggling right now. Um, so I'm taking the Aggies in this one. All right, and Georgia getting four points in the game of the week this week against Alabama and Tuscaloosa. The GOAT, Nick Saban, is down with COVID. Um, Get well soon, Coach. I'm taking the Georgia Bulldogs because I just don't know what to who to pick in this game, and I think it's going to be about a field goal game. Oh, Before the Georgia fans get going, I'm going to be contrary and take Alabama in this one. And that's only because I, I feel like the Georgia offense, Alabama defense is going to be kind of a wash. And I know the Georgia defense is just great, but I think Alabama having three great receivers, a great running back, they're going to, and the quarterback that's actually playing really well is going to find a way to score just enough to win this game. And that's all absolutely valid. I, I think that's the reason why it's going to be a tight game. And I think Georgia has won enough or has battled enough in some tight situations that – I think right now in this season, not always, but in this season, they know how to win and they know how to succeed in those tight situations. So I'm going to take Georgia in this. Call me Homer, call me whatever you want. Uh, but I, I just think that you know what was needed in that shootout last week was a little bit of defense. And I think Georgia provides a little bit more than just a little bit of defense. And they're going to make things a lot tougher on Alabama than, than Ole Miss did. And, uh, you know, with, with Alabama's struggles on defense, Georgia's going to score some points too. And so you're going to see, you know, can Georgia get con- some consistent stops? Can they get themselves in favorable field position and score some points? And, and can their defense be just as stingy as it has been uh, so far this season? I think it will, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the dogs. Um, if I'm Georgia, I'm thinking second and twenty six, and the and the and the uh, SC championship game. I'm I'm coming out fired up um, in Tuscaloosa. Um, coach seven, no coach seven. And I think I think it's all about Georgia. And I think if we do what we're supposed to do, we execute like we're supposed to. We don't have a first half like we had last week. I think like I guess I think um, I think it's a three point game, um, and it's basically just going to come down to who can be more physical and who makes less mistakes than the other team. Um, I think they said Coach Sarkeesian's um, taking over for uh, Coach Saban since he's gone, um, but that, that doesn't even matter. Um, it, it, it could be anybody over there on the sideline. Um, if Georgia takes care of Georgia, we handle our business, I think we come out with a victory, so I'm picking Georgia all the way. All right. Around the SEC, that does it for this week. Um, I want to say special thank you to Israel Troop um, for coming by and spending some time with us today. And, of course, for Corey and Jeb, I'm Steve, and we will see you next week. You know it. Thank you for listening to a very special edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. And as always, go dogs. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase. It's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.